You're listening to Pastor Kevin Giddings of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you'll be challenged today as you listen to his sermon entitled, Don't Be Ugly to One Another, based on 1 Timothy 2, 9-10, through recorded on Sunday, November 27, 2016. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Kevin as he preaches. Okay, this is part two, I think. Since I just got back, I believe it's part two of the sermon uh, or the passage, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. And so by way of introduction, um, let me read a little bit of C.S. Lewis. He said, the sweetest thing in all my life has been the longing. The sweetest thing in all my life has been the longing to reach the mountain to find the place where all the beauty came from, my country, the place where I ought to have been born. Once again, he says, the sweetest thing in all my life has been the longing to reach the mountain, to find the place where all the beauty came from, my country, the place where I ought to have been born. You know, beauty is a strange thing. We all know that it exists, But in this world, it never lasts, does it? Do you see a beautiful sunset? Well, enjoy it now, for it will be gone in moments. Do you see a beautiful flower? Well, it will die. Do you hear a beautiful song? Well, it will soon end. Do you see a beautiful girl? Well, what becomes of her beauty? The word says that these things are but a shadow or an echo of the heavenly realities that are eternal, that await us. But does all beauty fade? What does it mean to be a beautiful woman in a world where beauty cannot last? Well, see, our text today touches on this very issue. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn your Bibles or keep them right there where Hannah was reading. And let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 9 through 10. Verses, verse 9 says this, Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, with good works. Well, we received a written question a couple of weeks ago as we were reading through chapter 2, asking, why can't I braid my hair? Well, this is a good question, because it reflects the, that the questioner is not only seeing what the text says, but desires to understand. It does say, if you look at the plain meaning of the text, it does say that women should adorn themselves without braided hair or gold or pearls or costly apparel. But if not braids, how about a weave? How about a wig? What about dreadlocks? If not gold or pearls, can women wear diamonds? No costly apparel? What about Walmart bought clothes? Those only? Or can she also shop at Kohl's or even Jacques Penney? That's what we used to call it, J.C. Penney's. That's the French for J.C. Penney's. Macy's is probably over the top though, right? According to scripture. 
Well, is Paul really giving fashion advice to women in this passage? Probably not, right? So what is Paul trying to say? Well, first of all, I think we need to identify what parts of his words are underlying principles or values that he is explaining and which parts are the practical applications. The reason we must do this is because underlying principles and values, get this, never change. But applications can change from day to day or place to place or even from time to time. For example, when it comes to respectable apparel, if a woman is invited to be in a wedding and everyone buys fancy expensive dresses, but she decides to go in cutoffs and a flannel shirt, which would probably go well in Western PA possibly, that is not respectable but insulting. Likewise, if a girl decides to wear um, elaborate wedding dress to a casual party at a friend's birthday party, she will not only be out of place but will be making a spectacle of herself, right? and drawing attention away from the birthday girl to herself in an undignified manner. So, with that in mind, what is Paul really saying in verses 9 through 10? Well, he's giving us less practical fashion advice than it may seem at first glance. So, when gathering together for worship, this is what Paul is saying, when gathering together for worship with the family of God, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel. You know, at this point, we might think he is talking about clothing and fashion, but his focus immediately shifts away from clothing and hair to something that is within. What is respectable apparel to Paul? Well, respectable apparel, if you look at verses 9 and 10, is modesty and self-control. As he says in the text, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control. This text is not really about what the women dress like specifically. In other words, if you take this in the strictest literal sense, you could argue that women don't need to wear clothing at all. The language, after all, defines respectable apparel not as clothing, but as modesty and self-control. But that would be silly, right? Well, I come to church and I don't have any clothes on. I'm dressed in modesty and self-control. Right? That's not what he's trying to say either. How can you be modest without putting something on? Well, when Paul is speaking about hair and gold and pearls, he's not prohibiting all jewelry or even necessarily gold and pearls or even braids. Rather, what he is speaking against is a tendency by some of the women in the Corinthian church to take the time together to take the time together to be a fashion show, an opportunity to flaunt one's wealth or one's beauty. I've been told this, I'm not speaking from my, I've been told this by other women, so I don't get myself in trouble, that women notice other women, how they look, how they dress. They comment on such things. It is a win for some to be seen as well-dressed and looking good, wearing certain brand names of clothing, etc. But Paul is saying that such a focus is not fitting for the church of God. In our day, braided hair does not stand out as someone who is trying to show off. Gold jewelry worn modestly is not unusual in America where there is abundance. The principle that we are working off of here is that women should be concerned about inner beauty. 
They must not be vain, nor should they be seeking to set themselves apart from the others by their fashion statements. To be a Christian woman is not to seek the attention of the room. Hear this again. To be a Christian woman is not to seek the attention of the room by outer beauty, but to attract the attention of God with what he defines as true beauty. So what do we do with this passage today? Well, let's look at this from a practical point of view. Then let's focus on the beauty that God is pointing us to. So first for the practical. As Americans, dressing with gold or pearls or braided hair do not necessarily violate the principle that Paul puts forth. To see this, consider a church gathering in Ethiopia where most every Christian would be very, very poor. But there may be a family or two that has more than the rest. If a woman were to wear gold jewelry to show off her wealth and beauty, knowing that very few women in the church could match her, she would be doing what Paul prohibits. He would say to her, if you want to show your beauty to the church, then don't do it by flaunting your physical beauty and wealth, but do it by your modesty and good works. You know, I saw this played out in Papua New Guinea, where modesty means that you cover your legs with a, what they call a lap-lap, a skirt. Because it's down here that a woman is seen as sensual. And so obviously the church that I was at, all the women in the church wore lap-laps. And I saw a lot of true beauty in the character that comes from godliness in this church that I was at. So here at Harvest, let me suggest two simple applications. Number one, adorn yourselves modestly and respectably. Adorn yourselves modestly and respectably. This includes seeking to make yourself physically pretty. This includes seeking to make yourself physically pretty. If you have a feminine desire to look your best, then go with it. There's no problem with that. Paul does not prohibit that. Paint your face, put on some clothes that make you feel prettier than other clothes. That's fine. Do your hair in a way that you like. Paint your nails. Do what you must. I love it when my wife adorns herself with physical beauty. I think she's gorgeous. Do what you must. But when you find in your heart, ladies, when you find in your heart that you cross the line from, quote, adorning yourself to showing off or even competing with other girls or to the undue drawing attention to yourself, then stop yourself at that point. This is what Paul is talking about in verses 9 and 10. Number two, avoid all social snobbery when you gather for worship. I think the implication is there. Avoid all social snobbery when you gather for worship. Whether a woman is less attractive or less cool or less financially able or has fewer friends, none of these things should influence your social behavior. Do you have a boyfriend but another does not? Do not, do not take pride in these things. Treat all fellow Christian women as beloved sisters in your family. That is the point for men and women to treat ladies in the church as 
older lady as, as maybe mothers in the faith and peers as sisters in the faith. Look at other women not through a physical lens, but with the eyes of God. And remember what the Bible says in Proverbs 31.30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Remember that the beauty this world demands is elusive and often only momentary. People look on the outside and they can be very, very brutal. But looks come and go. True beauty, according to the scriptures, is found within. And we know that that beauty comes from Christ who lives within you to live and to work according to his good pleasure. In other words, Christ has done it all. Once again, the gospel, the Holy Spirit lives within you. Trust him, depend on him for good works. Who has known that person who outwardly appears beautiful at first sight, but then as their ugliness within shows, she becomes less and less attractive? Likewise, who has not known the woman who is not viewed by all her friends as the prettiest of the bunch, but her humble and kind demeanor make her the most beautiful of them all? I had a few friends in high school. I'm not going to name their names because they may watch this because we're taping it. But I remember um, they were seen as not as attractive, but the joy of the Lord made them beautiful. And I remember one in particular that even to this day, she's one of the prettiest uh, ladies I've ever met because her love and her joy and her good works, her godliness. Once again, this is not to say that natural feminine beauty is a bad thing. Not at all. It's not. In fact, such beauty is a hint It is a hint of the eternal state. And when we see the beauty of God forever and ever, once again, we are facing, if you were a saved person this morning, you were facing the realities of that beauty. All of this is only a shadow, only an echo. But there will be a day where you'll see Jesus face to face and you will know the realities of true, true beauty. We are all aging, right? We all lose whatever physical attractiveness we might have. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. You see, the beauty of this world only lasts a little while. It's a good thing, but it is a fading thing. And let this serve as a reality that this entire world we live in is passing away. But there is a better life to come. Physical beauty that all of us see is valuable. Though we all lose whatever we have here, it's going to be granted one day and it will never fade. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 says this, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And 1 Corinthians 15, verses 37 through 44. And what you saw, what you sow, is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God, 
I love it when the scriptures say, but God. It talks about us, and then the Bible says, but God. But God gives it a body he has chosen into each kind of seed, its own body. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. On earth, we all work, especially me, we all work with what we have, with what we've been given. We are and will continue to fade, but not for long. For millions of years to come, our reality as saved people, if you're a child of God this morning, our reality will include physical beauty unknown on the earth itself. Each one of you who know Jesus, if you were now in your eternal state among the rest of us mortals, you would be the most attractive and glorious person on the earth. That is your destiny. And to give Pastor Mike a little shout out while he's sick this morning, he usually says, when we shed this mortal coil, this is our destiny. You see, we see this with the eyes of faith. For now, until we wait for God to handle our physical beauty, he wants us to work on the beauty that we can control the best. That's our inner beauty. The beauty this world demands is fleeting and elusive. The beauty that God wants is accessible to all. What does our text say? Verses 9 and 10. Modesty, self-control, good works. Ladies, are you seeking to make yourself beautiful with these three? Give the attention needed to your looks, but don't go overboard. Don't compete with others. Don't determine your beauty by your outward appearance. Are you working at being modest? Are you working at self-control? Good works. Every woman here needs to talk to God about these things. Each one must look to God and let him search your heart. Many will need to repent of sins as, as God shows And as he cleans your heart and resets your worldview every day, get your makeup on. But let it be the makeup of modesty of the heart first. Put on not just your outer garments, but more importantly, pick out something nice from the closet of self-control. And accessorize everything you do with good deeds done for everyone you can. This is the beauty God is calling you to. No woman is excluded from being shining and beautiful in the eyes of God now and forever. For you see, ladies, God is the point. He's the point, not people. If he is first then everything else will follow. Ask him to help you today to adorn yourself with godliness. 
He is pleased to help you with that. For this passage speaks to a struggle that I believe all women have had at some point. Well, to the men. Men, wake up. You didn't think you were getting out of this, did you? To finish, I want to address the men and then all of us with the good news of Jesus Christ after that. So men, in light of these teachings, you must never speak ill of a woman's outer looks. Because of this struggle that I just spoke of and because the implications that are in this scripture, you must never speak ill of a woman's outer looks. Men, do you hear me? Nothing is more unattractive in a man than a negative comment about a woman's looks, even in jest. God loves each one and sees them in his own way. If you insult someone that God calls beautiful, then you are insulting him. No woman wants to be unattractive in the eyes of others. It is not only hurtful to call a woman ugly, it is faithless. Proving that you have no idea how God looks at people. Rather than tearing down women verbally, it is the job of every man on this planet to make the women in his life more beautiful by his tender, kind love for them. Consider the story of the beauty and the beast. We've kind of made it more than it is. It's really somewhat unremarkable because to have a beautiful woman who sees the good in a man who is outwardly ugly is not that unusual. There's an old song by Joe Jackson that goes, and I have no idea who Joe Jackson is. This is Mike's. Is that Janet Jackson's brother? I, Mike is much older than I am. So this is probably from the 30s or 40s. I love you, Mike. Joe Jackson that goes, pretty women out walking with gorillas down my street. From my window, I'm staring while my coffee goes cold. Look over there. Where? There. There's a lady that I used to know. Is she really going out with him? You know, man, we've we've thought that before, right? Is she really going out with him? Is she really going to take him home tonight? Because if my eyes don't deceive me, there's something going wrong around here. Joe Jackson, whoever he is. Beauty and the Beast actually teaches the lesson that makes many women miserable if they take it to heart. And here's the message. That you can take an awful man and make something good out of him. Well, ladies, that's not true. We've seen that over and over and over again. Well, I'm a Christian, he's not, and I will influence him. On maybe some rare occasion, yes. But the Bible says that you should not be unequally yoked. It is not your job to change the man. In other words... You'd better choose a kind man right off the bat because you won't be able to change him later. 
Is that the truth? No, beauty and the beast is just normal life. For my money, the better story is Taming of the Shrew. In that movie, there's an awful woman named Kate who no man likes and no man would dream of loving or marrying. Her sister, Bianca, is every man's dream. They line up for Bianca, but no one wants Kate. She's a mean, nasty, angry jerk of a woman. Then comes Petruchio, who chooses Kate. He marries her and takes her away. He comes back months later, and it is Kate who is kind and beautiful. He ended up with the prize. Now, I'm not saying we should treat women like Petruchio, tamed, Kate, but I am saying that the storyline is closer to the beauty of the gospel than that of Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast is backwards to the gospel. The woman is lovable and her beauty transforms the beastly man. But in the other, the love and attention of the man given to the woman is what transforms her into a beauty. This, my friends, is the story of Christ and the church. Ephesians 5 says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Men, as Christ loved the church, so husbands are to love their wives. There is no wife that is not beautiful. No husband should spurn his and steal her beauty from her. No single man should speak ill ever of the looks of a woman. Instead, he is to honor each one and make all women beautiful in his sight, for this is the grace with which God looks at his children. You see, folks, Jesus came to earth as the only man who had never sinned. He didn't look for the righteous and the beautiful people of the world while spurning the less worthy, quite opposite. Jesus came to save sinners by dying on a cross, but he didn't stop at paying for our sins. He rose, gave us life, and makes us beautiful forever. Church, this is the gospel. And what did Jesus do for you? If you were in Christ this morning by faith, he has secured your position before the Father as one in whom he is well pleased. I would say thoroughly pleased. And now that he is thoroughly pleased with you because of Christ, not because of you, because he's thoroughly pleased with you through Christ, he is now conforming you into the beautiful image of Christ, full of grace and truth. Folks, this is what the gospel has done for you and for me. This is your God. This is the God that, once again, we sang about that has rescued you. So have you received Jesus as your Savior? Have you put your faith in him? If not, do so now. Do so today while it's still cold today. He will take away all your sins. He will take away all your guilt, all your shame. And why? He does this as a free gift of love. We've said it a lot this morning already. It is grace Amazing grace. 
greater than all of our sin. U2 says it like this. Now, I do know who U2 is. That's my generation. Grace, she takes the blame, she covers the shame, removes the stain. What once was hurt, what once was friction, what left a mark no longer stings because grace makes beauty out of ugly things. Men, women, everyone, Jesus took your sins on his body. All your ugliness died on a cross with him. Won't you run to him today? Won't you ask him to save you? Won't you ask him to rescue you this morning? And Christian, who do you look to for your beauty? Do you look to the world? Do you look to the mirror? Or do you look to him? Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.